politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimums standing at the ready to fill the shoes of our founders and fight anew for life, liberty, property, and all that matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today for July 5th, Wednesday. It's already half the week gone, and we have just begun. Yesterday, we celebrated the first founding of America. Now we got to do something about the second one. We talk about the courage to fight the trains of abuses and usurpations and our rights, our inalienable rights. But then what are we going to do to actually fight it? Yesterday, we celebrated the land of the free and the home of the brave but today we wake up and understand that we are in the land of the freaks and the home of the gays you know sam adams said famously it does not take a majority to prevail but rather an irate tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of the men that described our founders that we celebrated this week it also describes the left in creating the counter-revolution and succeeding in it. And that further describes what we need to match in terms of intensity to at least create some sort of version of America somewhere that resembles what we celebrated yesterday. And that's the reality, even if we don't have a majority. If you have an irate minority that still believes in something, we could, we could celebrate that that flag is still there. The flag is still waving in the air. You have forces on the field. Maybe now you're down. But at some point, you could win. This is why dissent is so important. This is why it's more important to, in the long run, cultivate a pure minority view that is pure. I don't mean pure and like, you know, perfection, but it's unvarnished with subversive views. Then try to create this fake big tent temporarily for some political gain that's usually ill-gotten anyway and wrongly reading the tea leaves and then collapsing. I want to discuss this through the prism of multiple points today on how we have the conservative movement and Republicans subversive on issue after issue, where we have the opportunity, now more than ever really, to actually get a majority view, yet we can't even get a minority view against it, a dissenting view, because that dissenting view is a controlled opposition, and it's subverted. We had five signers of the Declaration of Independence who were captured as traitors, tortured by the British. Twelve had their homes burned down. Two lost sons in the Revolutionary War. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 who ultimately put their names on that document on July 4th died from their wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. We don't even need to do that. That's the weird thing. The left is so crazy that if you just actually had a pure, unvarnished, tireless, irate minority, you could actually create even a majority view out of that. 
but we will not do it so long as we have these subversive forces, these fake forces on the right. I'm telling you, that is more important than talking about the Democrats. I took my kids yesterday to Federal Hill. It's the hill overlooking the Baltimore Inner Harbor right near Fort McHenry. And I was struck by a sense of emotion as I saw in the wind. It was kind of a windy day. The 15-star, 15-stripe flag, unique flag. The one that flew over Fort McHenry. Flying over Federal Hill. It was back when we had 15 states. It was taken out of service in 1818 by Congress. But that flag represented the resilience. That was literally the Star-Spangled Banner, was that flag. It was the 15-star and 15-stripe flag that reaffirmed 1776. Because 1776 could have been undone easily. We were a pretty weak country, bankrupt, didn't have much of a military. Great Britain could have overrun us. So in many respects, it's uh, very apropos on July 4th to commemorate the War of 1812. And I was struck with a sense of emotion looking at that flag, those 15 stars and stripes, the star-spangled banner, and what it represents, the values of, of both the constitutional values and biblical values on which the country was built. The resilience of a tireless, irate minority. The resilience in the face of the revolution, the War of 1812, that gifted us, bequeathed to us, the greatest nation ever. But then, you zoom out a little bit, and I posted the picture on my Twitter account. You could see the broader skyline of the Baltimore downtown, which is actually not that remarkable for a major city. But you won't be able to see it in the picture, although you could smell the marijuana everywhere there. But behind all those big buildings, you have 30 people shot at one block party in Baltimore a couple days ago. The endless debauchery, crime, the marijuana everywhere, the rainbow flags everywhere. The anarcho-tyranny, a city that shut people down like many of these major cities. How even the invasion from the mightiest external naval power could not subvert us. That flag was still there. Gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. But our flag is not still there as it relates to what we've done to ourselves internally. And Baltimore is a great uh, paradigm for that, this anarcho-tyranny. It's also kind of through the vision we see just internationally with France burning as the Islamic immigrants that they let in are just owning the place. The police are just uh, crushed. They could do whatever they want. And you juxtapose that to pictures of the police in the Netherlands brutally putting down the much more peaceful farmer protest. And boy, when those police want to muscle you into submission, they really seem to be able to do it and conjure up that will that they're lacking when it comes to 
the real bad guys in France. And, and, and that anarcho-tyranny is what we're fighting. So I want to start off with just the first part of this, the homosexual agenda. As you well know, I believe that it's not just a, a, a rainbow flag, but it's what it represents. In actuality, it subverted what the Star-Spangled Banner represents. The, the, the debauchery. You know, yeah, we all commit sins, we all have our things we struggle with, but we don't normalize it. We don't say this is the national aspiration. And the thing is, because there's been no opposition over time, obviously it gains support, it gains more support. But as long as there's a minority against it, the truth always comes out. It's so important to dissent. And, and here's why it's important to dissent. Because even if at that moment you believe that the majority view is going to prevail, there's a difference between unanimity of opinion where no one even knows those dissent versus you lay down a marker. Here's why I oppose it. Here's why it's wrong. I might not, not have the power now, but I lay down the marker. So when inevitably, because if I'm right and I'm saying this is going to be a disastrous policy, I'll be proven right. So when <clears throat> the rubber meets the road and the stuff hits the fan and the policy starts going downhill, you could immediately point to, what did I tell you? Exactly as we said. It's not just going to be, oh, it's about love and equality. No, it's going to be about subverting our culture, grooming our kids and all of that. You don't have to relitigate the case from scratch. As long as somebody opposes something that is evil, there is still hope. What is taking place in the conservative movement in the Republican Party now is a concerted effort to make us accept the rainbow jihad and literally the flag and literally so-called Sin Pride Month as our own right, left, and in between so that there's a unanimity of opinion behind the rainbow jihad and rainbow Ramadan so that there will never be a vestige from which to eventually grow a majority view, counter, launch a counteroffensive, and have the raw materials from which God's divine providence could bestow his blessing on our efforts to succeed and push back against it. What I'm referring to is the DeSantis online ad against Rainbow Ramadan that is now being attacked by so many big Republican and conservative figures. That is a very, very big problem. And I think we all need to just take a couple minutes to understand where this is coming from, where it's headed. First, our sponsor today. You know, you've heard me talk a lot about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy. By choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. You can't just have anyone. So I've done research, and that's why over the last few years, I have supported and used on my own devices ExpressVPN. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. So lots of cheap free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN does not do this. That's the entire purpose. They even developed a technology-trusted server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all, so they can't even store it if they wanted to. Number two, it's the speed. They use Lightway, 
a new VPN protocol that engineered itself to make user speeds faster than ever because you know you have VPNs but sometimes they slow you down and what what purpose is that and finally what really sets ExpressVPN apart from a lot of these others is how easy it is to use you don't need any technical skills which I don't I easily mess things up unless my uh, 13 year old does it for me so even your grandparents could do it or even people like me so protect yourself with the VPN that I trust and use use my link expressvpn.com slash conservative today you get an extra three months free in a one-year package that's a quarter off expressvpn.com slash conservative that's expressvpn.com slash conservative never allow our government to surveil and censor you and sell your information again so folks I don't know if you guys saw this. It, it's not really worth playing it. Look it up. Google it if you haven't seen it uh, because a lot of it is visual. But there's about a minute and 20 second ad that was put out by the DeSantis campaign really tying together Trump's support for literally the rainbow flag. It shows him with it, saying LGB this, sitting with Bruce Jenner and saying... um that uh, he's welcome to use the female bathroom at Mar-a-Lago, uh, him allowing trannies in the pageant when he would when he used to run the pageant for women, <clears throat> and, you know, pride parades, pride month, and all that stuff. And there was nothing really remarkable about the ad. Uh, it, it's obvious. I've been talking about this for months. It should bother all of us. Now, I want to make this very clear. I don't give a darn who you vote for in the primary. You want to go for, vote for Trump, vote for Trump. As I've said many times, the presidential election in itself is not really even that important. What, there's a devilish side of me that almost wants Trump to win the nomination, have Biden beat him, and then our side will finally lose all hope in the traditional means and look to things new like you know, radical federalism, de facto national divorce with red states because that's really where it needs to head. So I'm all fine with that. But here's what I'm not fine with. I'm not fine with getting our people to make the left's great agenda great again. Make gayness great again. Right? Is that is that what MAGA stands for? This is not okay to start normalizing this behavior. And the reaction to DeSantis's ad, not just by the Trump people, but all these other Republicans and fake conservatives, demonstrates how they've been frauds. They don't share our values. And it demonstrates why they've been a controlled opposition for so long and why we are are suffering so much and losing so much on the policy front, not just on that issue, but on numerous issues, but particularly this issue at a time when God is giving us a second chance that we thought this issue was lost forever, but because of the debauchery and because we laid down that marker as a minority and warned about it, and people are saying, whoa, this this is getting out of hand. This is crazy. We actually finally have an opportunity to... Push back against this agenda. We have such an amazing opportunity. And it's being squandered. And basically, if you look at what they were saying, 
because I was trying to figure out what are they offended by. This wasn't like the Daniel Horowitz ad. He didn't call out the homosexual agenda. And in fact, I don't think there was anything in there even about homosexuality. It was literally just the tranny part. Okay? It was just the tranny. I mean, Bruce Jenner, this whole Bruce Jenner thing. Remember, that's by design. It's not just, it happens to be the first high-profile guy, famous male athlete comes out as a female. Happens to not just not be a liberal, which is rare. I mean, a Democrat, which most of them are, right? It's pretty rare. Not only is he a Republican, but he's a Trump Republican. Don't you think that's by design to make sure that the circles that they think would be the most dissentful, the most antagonistic to their jihad is neutralized? That it's normalized in the minds of not just the Republicans, but the hard right, the core right. And they want to undermine at a time when we're winning on the issue. They want to stamp out any last vestige of opposition to their agenda. So I was looking at this and I'm like, what would you oppose? But I'll tell you what they oppose. See, what they're trying to say is homosexuality is real, meaning it's an immutable character trait. Transgenderism is an immutable character trait. Or not just kept, but biological trait. And gender is fluid. Sexuality is fluid. And it's great. And there's, we, uh, we have to abide by this and adopt it and have pride in it and enjoy it. Just don't castrate minors and don't have males and female sports. But you could have them in the bathrooms. That's essentially this Bruce Jenner narrative that the MAGA world has, has eaten up. And I don't mean the majority of Trump supporters, but they, wanna, they want them to change their minds. But obviously the people in command and control, Mar-a-Lago. And my point I've been saying from day one of the presidential election, I don't care. Obviously, I think the choice is very clear. But for whatever reason, you want, you want Trump, you want Trump. But don't start adopting things of the left to accommodate the candidate. I was hoping we would have a slugfest to the right. Each one would vie to get to the right of each other. And we'd all win. But instead, the last couple months, Trump has moved so far to the left on so many issues. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. And my colleagues in this business have either been stone silent on it or they downright accommodate it and agree with it. And that is the worst thing of all. I don't, I don't care about the presidential election, but it's who we are. It's indirectly because... You're defined by the Republican nominee for president. That's how it's been. Shouldn't be that way. But the movement is so fickle, that's what it's defined by. And that's what concerns me. Even more than, you know, oh, how Trump will actually govern and, you know, all the concerns we have, which I don't think he'll ever win anyway. But even if he does, that's not even the point. The point is that we cannot allow in the long run our side to accept the most destructive ideologies of the left. And they're all like, this is homophobic. I'm like, first of all, so what if it is? But it, 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 the, the funny thing is, the stuff they call out is the Bruce Jenner, the flag, 
the pride parades, all that stuff. I thought we all kind of opposed that. Again, this wasn't even like going back to where every Republican was 20 years ago. It didn't even call out FAGFest, you know, when they celebrated gay marriage. That wasn't in the ad. This is like where we all were for the last three to five years. God forbid where the Republicans were 20 years ago. I mean, I guess they they, they support it as long as you don't have nude twerking or something. But they're like, you are opposing the flag. And they don't mean the Star Spangled Banner. Again, this is not just like a couple of log cabin Republicans. This is the entirety of the conservative intelligentsia. They're losing their minds over it. It was a very moderate, mild ad. It needed to be put out. But it's like, we should all be outraged by this going on. And again, if DeSantis starts adopting left-wing ideology, that would be problematic too. We need to call it out. This is so concerning that somehow the right is celebrating the rainbow debauchery. It just, like they do on everything, like they did on COVID, like they did on crime, like they did on immigration, like they do on tax and spending, like they do on, on green energy. They'll agree to the premise of the left, albeit find a couple of really extreme, absurd manifestations and limit their opposition exclusively to that small contour. And that's how you move the Overton window. At the time that we need to shove that Overton window back. We need to shove it back to 1776. But heck, I'll take shoving it back to 2005. And we really have this opportunity. Don't doubt me, folks. They are making it very clear at a time when we are winning on this issue. They want to stamp out all vestiges of opposition. And I really have a lot of news of the day to get to. And I know I'm being a little bit negligent here in getting to some of this. Because we really do have a lot going on. I want to go through some of our Rhino Rampage report on many other issues aside from this homosexual issue. It's really, actually, just even the transgender issue. But I think it's important for the biblical founding, and this is a show that does give a biblical worldview, and I know most of you appreciate it. You see, what is the rainbow flag and how it was bastardized? What they're doing is they're thumbing their nose at God. It's as if to say, ha, ha, ha. Well, you know, you brought a flood for this, literally this type of behavior. Well, guess what? You can't bring the flood again, so stick it. Okay? We're going to stick it because you can't bring it. You promised with a rainbow that you'll never bring a flood again. So therefore, we all need to get around and support what their stuff represents, and how they bastardized the beautiful symbol of God for the antithesis of what it was. But really the reality is that the only reason God is not destroying the world again is because of people like those in this audience that will not submit, that are not okay with it, that will dissent. But it's these phony losers on the right that are trying to stamp out that dissent 
that will actually make God bring another flood? You see, there's an interesting question. What is the rainbow? What did God introduce to Noah that you didn't have before Noah's time? So a rainbow is nothing spectacular. It's the light refracting off the the water vapor. You know, you don't need to make a rainbow. You could uh, take a, your garden hose and spray it up in a stream up to the sunlight, and you'll see the the color spectrum. You know, that's, that's what a rainbow is. There's nothing... What did God create that, that, that Noah never saw before? So there's an interesting idea here. If you, if you read where it is in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 9, verse 12, And God said, meaning to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant, which I am placing between me and between you, and between every living soul that is with you for everlasting generations. My rainbow I have placed in the cloud. I want you to remember that. I have placed in the cloud. And it shall be for a sign of a covenant between myself and the earth. It shall come to pass when I cause clouds to come upon the earth. And the rainbow will appear in the cloud. And I'll remember my covenant. He says, I won't, I won't destroy all flesh anymore, yada, yada. And then it says it again. Verse 16, and the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will see it to remember the everlasting covenant. Very redundant. I'm going to see it in the cloud. I'm going to see it in the cloud. And what I believe it's saying is, you see, prior to Noah's time, the clouds were so thick and impervious, you couldn't see the light, the spectrum of colors refracting through from the sunlight because the clouds were so impervious. They were so dark and gloomy. So dark that they had the ability to bring civilization-destroying floods. Okay? That, that was what it, what, what it meant. So now... Now the clouds are never going to be, what does it mean I'm not going to bring a flood? The clouds aren't going to be so thick that you can no longer see it. Now you will be able to see. You could see a rainbow here and there. You could, you know, spray some water, whatever. But to see it in the cloud, in those thick, dark storm clouds. And what that really is, is a metaphor for something much deeper. You see, prior to the flood, during Noah's time, those 500 years, and certainly that hundred years he was building the ark when the entire society was deboshed. There was complete, utter, impervious darkness. The clouds in the heaven refracted and reflected the unanimity of darkness and evil on earth. There was no dissent. That everyone, except for Noah and his family, so that's why he just saved them, but everyone else there was unanimity of opinion behind this is okay. It's not like, okay, a handful of people, you know, we all sin at certain times. Some sin more, some sin less. But that as a society, a country, as a civilization, as a world, we are all okay with this. We're not just okay with it, but we glorified it. We have pride in it. We have pride in sin. This is how it's going to be. We're literally going to treat it like a marriage we're going to grab a kid and, and, and bring it, adopt him, bring him to a home. By the way, I'm sure they weren't even doing it then. They were just kind of just engaging in the behavior. 
We're not even talking about that anymore. No one's even trying to stop that. But that's what they did. It reflected unanimity of opinion that there was no light, there was no righteousness, there was no truth refracting through those clouds, through the heaven, because it was a reflection of what was going on down earth. And that's why you couldn't see the rainbow. But now God is saying, no, I'm not going to bring another flood. Now, by the way, you could there, there's punishment all the time brought for their behavior, but it's just that the entire earth won't be destroyed. Why not? How could God ever guarantee that? How could God guarantee that, hey, you know, I have a responsibility. You, you know, what is it? God had like a, a, a panic attack or lost control of his uh, his anger. And then, you know, like when a guy comes, like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. That's ridiculous. No. It's that Noah built a new world. And God was confident that there will never be a circumstance that will arise again where evil will, will spread like a cancer to the point where there is no living dissent against it. It's not that there won't be debauchery and evil. There will be. And there will be times there will even be a majority of opinion. But there will always be an Abraham. There will always be truth. There will be light in that darkness. You look at the darkest times of history, the Holocaust, more recently, most people went along with it in Germany and Eastern Europe. But there were notorious, notable, substantial minorities dissenting and saved people, however small they were in numbers, but they were always there. We will not submit. We are not okay with this. That is that light that could penetrate the storm clouds. And that's what God is saying. The rainbow shall be in the cloud. Because it's not going to be quite as thick as it was. Because it's not going to be all dark. And I will see it. And I will remember the everlasting covenant. I will see the fact that it's not all of you. That there is some semblance of sanity, of righteousness, of truth in this world. That based on that, I will no longer destroy the world again. That, that God could confidently say that there will never be a time. You could have the debauchery get as bad as it did pre-flood, maybe even worse. But there won't be unanimity of opinion that it is okay. There will be a minority dissent. And that will reflect, re refract those, the light through the clouds. And God will remember it. The point is, this is not so much God's obligation. Like, hey, you promised you won't bring another flood. No. It's our obligation to God that we must demonstrate we are not okay with this. And that's my thing. The, mo the worst thing you can have is for the right, the hard right, the hard, hard right, the ultra MAGA, whatever the left wants to call it, the people the most likely to dissent to be neutralized. That is what is so dangerous about this agenda. That is why whether you support DeSantis broadly or not, that ad is so important. And that is why the response to it from the conservative intelligentsia is so insane. 
So when they thumb the nose into, oh, the, the rainbow, the rainbow is a beautiful thing that has been bastardized. It represents the fact we're the, we're the true rainbow people, that there are still people that are not okay with normalizing what we know is wrong. People might do it. We might have to live in a time like that. You might even have to adjust to it in certain respects. But we're not okay to okay with it. We're never going to bless it. And every way that it's feasible for us to oppose it, we will do so. And it's only in the merit of those people, ironically, that God won't destroy, at least not immediately and categorically in this world, the debauched crowd engaging it in, in, in this behavior and putting out that rainbow flag. Ha ha ha, you won't bring another flood, so I'm just going to sodomize all... Yeah, it's only because of people like us. But we have to be worthy of that. We have to live up to it. So I don't want to go too long on that on, on the sermon part of it, but this is why it is so important we never re- relinquish that. Oh, we think we need to just saddle ourselves up to this candidate, this era, this issue. Never relinquish it long term. But let's go on to other issues. COVID. Mike DeWine in Ohio, he vetoed, he has a line item veto, He vetoed a portion of the budget that allows college students to opt out of vaccine requirements. In his veto message, DeWine wrote that university and college dormitories and student housing are congregate settings where it makes this policy all the more important. This item is overly broad and may compromise the overall health and safety of students, residents, staff, and faculty at the institution. How in the world could it do that if everyone else is vaccinated? I don't understand. Wouldn't that only affect the people who don't want the vaccine? Again, we're talking about all vaccines here. And this brings me to the broader point. How is it that two and a half years into this COVID genocide, we don't even have a minority dissent among Republicans to the vaccine culture, the legal framework of warp speed for even continuing to fund the COVID shots and authorize them, much less the new ones we talked about last week with Dr. Meryl Nass. There's a weird thing going on, if you've noticed this. So Republicans have had more, just like the homosexual agenda, we've had more tailwinds at our back to fighting vaccination, mass vaccination, than ever before. The House Judiciary Committee came up with a a report showing how CISA, that's the DHS spy agency, literally created these NGOs and these private not-for-profits to work with social media companies to, to, to censor us. And then you have, on July 4th, the big news, this Louisiana judge, federal judge, Daughtry, or Daughty, putting a categorical injunction on the federal government encouraging, pressuring, inducing in any manner to remove, delete, suppress, or reduce any content containing free speech, that they can never work. And it covers the gambit, not just you know NIH and CDC, FDA, but also uh, FBI, CISA, State Department, DOJ, White House uh, office as well. But, and, and, and universally, Republicans are celebrating this. But it's kind of like, just like with the 
thing that, oh, Pride Month is good, the Pride flag is good, just don't, uh, you know, cut off the balls of the kids and have men and female sports. It's the same thing here. It's like, they're more concerned about the censorship of information on vaccine injury than the vaccine injury. It's like, the government could engage in Joseph Mengele willingly to this day and step on the gas pedal, and we'll even fund it with our appropriation bills, but don't censor people from talking about it. Now, I know the two are different things. You could theoretically be in support of one and not the other, but the point is, it's, it's a bigger deal that they're engaging in genocide than censoring the information on the genocide. I mean, that's a problem, but the genocide needs to stop. And yet we are nowhere closer to this. If we had a sane movement, we would call on Kevin McCarthy to defund the COVID shots in, in the, um, you know, all the appropriation bills. We would call upon him to refuse to sign off on this PAPA, Pandemic and Hazard Preparedness Act reauthorization. BARDA and the Assistant Secretary of Pandemic Preparedness go away if you don't reauthorize it September 30th. Bill Cassidy, the rhino from Louisiana, another deep red state. You know, as you have Landry, who's the Attorney General, now you know lead candidate for governor, uh, spearheading the lawsuit in Louisiana against the tech censorship, you have the senator from Louisiana working to promote all these pandemic authorities. Again, I have a list of 15 items that need to be put in the PAPA reauthorization. Anything dealing with, you know, uh, BARDA and the vaccines and warp speed to all emergency powers and mandates. How is it that to this day we don't even have a bill in the House, standalone, much less in a must-pass bill, making it that the president cannot unilaterally declare a public health emergency without Congress affirming it after 30 days? Just a simple bill like that. And I'll tell you the reason. Because we don't have a movement and a party that actually believes. Sam Adams and the Sons of Liberty didn't have a fake fight. They believed in it. And this is how you can have Republican governors just get away with this. Left and right. So let's go through some of our rhino rampaging. Next story. You might think, well, Daniel... This is the existing crop, but it will get better from here. Well, Thomas Massey put this out. The Republican nominee for governor in Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, confirms he's going to attend a rally hosted by a person likely to run against Massey from the left. Okay? And by the way, this is another Trump endorsement, another Trump McConnell. This is he literally worked for McConnell, Daniel Cameron. This is what we have in a state where Trump won like 117 of 120 counties. This is what we have for our next governor there, assuming he even beats a Democrat. And no, they're not upset with Thomas Massey from the right because of the debt ceiling deal. No. And then you move on to Montana. The Trump orbit, as well as McConnell, McCarthy, the two sitting senators from, or the, the sitting Republican senator from there, who's also the NRSC chair, Steve Daines, all of them are working in Montana 
to endorse this new guy they recruited to get in the race, who's like another Dan Crenshaw. So Matt Rosendale, who's the House member, one of the best members of the entire House, won't, won't be able to win the primary. Okay, this is a red state. We have the perfect opportunity to get out Tester. But no. Even the new people getting elected to every major statewide elected office are McConnell-like people. And most of the time, they have the support of the Trump crowd. You know what I'm saying? It's not even like we're getting like fake MAGA people, like, like a Carrie Lake, like homosexual agenda, but she'll be like hardcore on some things or at least talk hardcore on it. No, these are straight up McConnell people. Straight up, nothing has changed. Because we don't believe in anything. Where else are we on the, the Rhino Rampage here? Um, we should do this as a weekly segment. Rhino Rampage. Energy policy. Okay? Energy policy. We now have... I have, I have a whole article out today... On Christy Nome. We've talked a lot about this uh, carbon capture sequestration, the Summit Carbon Pipeline, stealing people's lands in South Dakota, getting in court injunctions to go on their property without the state signing off on public that it's a public benefit. Okay? This is all. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. This is all happening because Christy Nome and all of her donors and staff are literally part of Carbon Summit. She refused to support the bill in the last session. And now, by the way, there's a rally. If those of you in South Dakota, Pierre, South Dakota, on Thursday, the Freedom Caucus is having a rally calling on Christy Nome to uh, convene a special session. She has the authority, obviously, to do so and support legislation taking away uh, the Carbon Summit pipeline status as a public carrier. I mean, she talks about, this is the thing, they all talk broadly, oh, it's terrible what the, you know, groomers are doing, it's terrible at the Green Energy, Green New Deal, but then when you look carefully, they support 90% of it. The carbon capture and the electric vehicles and the wind and the solar, it's all happening in the red states. And, and, and now they're grabbing land to do it. Jared Bosley, the guy I had on my show from Northeast uh, South Dakota, I mean, he has a, a restraining order against him. They're coming with the sheriff's deputies on their property to make sure they don't harm the Carbon Summit contractors. And she's like, "Is this is out of my hands. There's nothing I can do. What are you talking about? Do you know that she could convene a session and she could introduce legislation? Do you know that... that in, in South Dakota, a legislature, you know, will say, you know, Representative John Doe introduced this bill. In there, it would, if it's a governor's bill, it will say on behalf of Governor Christie Nome's office. Do you know how I know that? Now, it's true all the time, but there is, you know, everyone's like, oh, Christie Nome opposed lockdowns. Look it up. South Dakota, House Bill 1297. Now you have to write in the year 2020 because it's not this term. March 30th. It was a lockdown bill to grant the Secretary of Health authority to declare an emergency. Introduced by Representative Qualm 
at the request of the office of the governor. <laughs> so, Christy, do you have that much alacrity, as much alacrity to stand with landowners as you did to push lockdowns and then later deny it and take credit for something you didn't do? Thankfully, by the way, the legislature of the House voted it down on two occasions, by the way. This is what we have as the big, most conservative governors we have. That's Christy Nome. And now we have Governor Mark Gordon in Wyoming pushing carbon capture. Same thing. Wyoming should be a beacon of freedom for energy. Instead, it's promoting the same garbage. And then you move on to this stupid ethanol stuff. The EPA set a final rule for the next year. They propose requiring refiners to blend 20.94 billion gallons of renewable fuel this year, up from 20.63 last year. Would it gradually rise to 22.33 billion by 2025. They're called RVOs, Renewable Volume Obligation. Let, let me put that in plain English. Like a bunch of communists requiring oil refineries to blend in X number of crap into the supply to make sure we raise the cost of food and fuel by overutilizing corn and diluting the fuel economy of our fuel. It's unbelievable. And then if they don't do it, they have to pay credits. So... I saw this from Congressional Quarterly. I couldn't believe it. This was the Biden EPA. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, who loves gay marriage and the rainbow jihad, said that the Biden administration had intentionally failed to expand biodiesel and ethanol, a move she claimed would increase dependence on foreign energy. On one hand, the Biden administration says they want cleaner fuels, but then they refuse to recognize the domestic homegrown solution readily available. Iowa farmers and biofuel producers simply need the green light to charge forward. Wait, 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 what? This is the COVID mandate. This is the vaccine mandate of energy. What do you mean they, they need the green light? So she's bothered by the fact that the Biden admin is not going far enough on ethanol. But I got news for you. They could do what the hell they want. They could blend as much ethanol as they want. And by the way, it's built on top of 20 years of subsidies, tariffs, and most importantly, mandates. So even if you had no mandates now, but still, they're in business because they would have never gotten off the ground with it. But that's not enough for her. Imagine if I say Pfizer could produce whatever they want, they could distribute whatever they want, just don't mandate it. And you're like, how dare you not greenlight Pfizer? What do you mean greenlight? You could, you could do what you want. Don't force us to blend it in. If we don't want ethanol, we should have the choice not to freaking have it. Do you understand that? They think that Biden is not fascist enough on ethanol. Issue after issue. Uh, do you want me to go on? Pennsylvania, GOP. So, um, they had the governorship there for a while. For the first time in, in decades, they won the state house. So the last thing stopping a Democrat trifecta in, in Pennsylvania is the GOP control of the Senate. Yet, not only did they clamp, not clamp down on crime, they passed a bill to reduce the number of people on probation 
and in jail by limiting the length of probation and preventing people from being sent back to jail for minor violations. We've talked about this for years. The worst human beings are the ones that continuously reoffend and we don't enforce parole on them. The bill passed 45 to 4. Almost every Republican voted for it. So the same Republicans, oh, Philadelphia, the crime, this and that. And then they take the very policies that are undergirding the increase in crime and they step on the gas pedal. As I keep saying, to this day, there is almost no Republican legislature or whatever that is that's doing anything about crime. They all say it's a problem. Oh, fund the police. The police are not the main issue. And I'm very upset with the police in general. The issue now is the just the, the de-incarceration agenda. By the way, the only one to do this is DeSantis. This is the second year in a row that he had to he had to veto jailbreak legislation from his own legislature. He vetoed two criminal justice bills last week, one relating to the um, expunction of criminal history records and one regarding criminal sentencing. HB 605 would have expanded the exception of eligibility requirement to expunge criminal history records to allow prior expunction for criminal history record granted for an offense committed when a person was a minor. This is the wor- this is a huge I I cannot overstate the importance of this. I cannot the bill passed the Senate 38 to 0 and the House 107 to 2. They're all like, "Oh, minor and flaxen when you're most of the crime is juveniles now. Violent crime. And the problem is it creates this momentum of velocity, of of leniency. Because what happens is the worst people in the world are already killing people before they're 18. But certainly by the time they're 18 to 21, they had accrued a tremendous amount of crime. So the one thing you want to say, okay, you had your first shoplifting thing when you're 14. No one's talking about that. But the problem is... If you have a guy that, let's say, picked up an armed robbery when he's 19, if you have no priors, he's not going to get a lot. But it needs to matter. We need to see what your record was. If you have a bunch of theft and carjacking and illegal possession of handguns, this is very, I'm just speaking off of, you know, just observing all these criminal cases, this is what this is what is causing most of the violence. It's people with exactly that profile. It's mainly black males in their teen years. They accrue all this. You need to throw the book to hell at them when they're 19. But but we won't because all that will be erased. It is such a problematic thing. Bipartisan sponsorship. Um, it is so, so dangerous. And, and that's the story. It was only Representatives Bernie Jacquez and Jessica Baker voted against it. The second bill was SB 1478 would prohibit a community sanction violation that was resolved through the Alternative Sanctioning Program 
from being used to ta- calculate total sentencing when determining the offender's sentence or for violation of probation. By definition, we're not talking about first-time, low-level, non-violent offenders. We're talking about people... See, there's one thing, you have a low-level offense, so you have a low-level offense. But we're talking about people with subsequent things, then yes, that needs to be taken into account. This whole lie of second chances is is, is ridiculous. Because they say, oh, I, we, I believe in second chances. But then they oppose things that are at three, four, and five chances, you know, already built in. And then they complain about crime. I'm telling this is unanimous. The Republican legislature. So not only are they not toughening sentencing, they're continuing to pass this Koch brother crap legislation. One after another. And then there's the Ukraine stuff, which is just like, you know, during the markup of the NDAA, the House Foreign Affairs Committee voted for a resolution to give Ukraine the Army Tactical Missile System known as um, 8CAMS in order to launch deeper strikes into Russian territory. At the Hask markup of the NDAA two weeks ago, amendment from Getz to eliminate the post of DOD Chief Diversity Officer was approved 3029 with Ohio Republican Michael Turner joining 28 Democrats to oppose it. He's on the Intel Committee, but worse, Turner joined with Bacon to get enough votes to to kill an amendment to block funding for DEI training initiatives. And the same duo sided with the Dems to block an amendment offered by Representative Mark Alford to block funding for the Deputy Inspector General for Diversity and Inclusion and Extremism in the military. So folks, on issue after issue, Republican opposition to the left is skin deep. There's no principle or values behind it. I want you to understand the reason we are where we are in civilization, crime, immigration, values, economy, freedoms, prosperity. It is because of the controlled opposition. It's because over the years we were so concerned about, oh, we got to elect this. So let's let's go with a McConnell Republican. Let's go with it. We got to win the general election. And even though 90 percent of the time it's actually they're not more electable either. Oh, we have to agree to the homosexual agenda. We have to agree to this Democrat premise, this Democrat issue, this Democrat policy, this rhino candidate. And now we just have a tent. Imagine building a tent full of rampaging rhinos that there's nothing left. We're boxed out. And that's what the other side wants. They want unanimity of opinion behind their views and outcomes on the way it matters, particularly the issues that matter at the time they matter. That is what it is. So folks, this is our post-July 4th show. Where is the spirit of Sam Adams? I don't care when the presidential election, not, but don't have our supposed side stand for this stuff. Green energy is never okay. Jailbreak is never okay. Ukraine is never okay. And no, the homosexual and transgender stuff is not okay either. And that's just the way it is. Folks, if you disagree or agree or want to add or subtract, 
Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. Thank you for listening.